If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Welcome back, friends, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swintoski, and I'm the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. So here we are, starting season four of the podcast, and this time it's another Trout Bitten Skills series. Just like season two, This season of episodes is tightly focused on one topic. While season two featured the nine essential skills for tight line and Euronymphing, here with season four, we're ready to take on the three styles of dry dropper. That's our topic. Again, these are connected episodes that build out the various styles of dry dropper fishing. This first episode is an overview of the three styles, and it sets up some of the reasons we like to fish dry dropper in the first place. Remember, these episodes are short, deeply tactical and packed with the how-tos of these various styles. It's a different format than what we've done for seasons one and three with my full panel of friends. So we'll get to all the dry dropper stuff in a minute, but first, an introduction. For this skills series, I'm joined again by my good friend, Austin Dando. How's it going, bud? Oh, it's going good, friend. Good to be back. Yeah, I know. I said it feels a little weird. It does feel weird, but it feels familiar at the same time. Familiar, and, and yet... A bit distant. It's been like, what, five weeks or something? Yeah, since the last episode. It's only been like five days since I last saw you, though. Right, right. So Austin and I just returned a few days ago from our family beach vacations, right? (laughs) Yeah, somehow. Independently. (laughs) Not planned. Little did I know uh, you were vacationing the same week and only about an hour away. I was surprised. You're like, it's only an hour. I said, it has to be more than that. But it wasn't. Hour and ten, maybe. Yeah. So we fished together. That was cool. We didn't catch anything <laughs> apart. No, but you almost did at the very end. And I almost That's, did at the very end. We had our shots. Yeah. Yeah. We're both rookies in the salt. By almost, I thought that the seaweed was a fish. <laughs> but it indeed was seaweed. But if nothing else, I got you excited for a moment. Right. 
It was good. I think. It was a good two seconds of uh, weight <laughs> on the end of the line that looked like it might have been balancing. Yep. I, uh, I finished strong, though. Um, at the end of my week, I started dialing in the fluke on the bucktails. That was fun, dude. That is cool. You got to come over and join me. I lucked out the first day. Oh, yeah. I fished a fly rod because Got I was uh, stubborn. I caught a bluefish on the first day. I thought, all right, I mm-hmm. can figure this out. It's only going to get better from here. And, yeah. you know, it only got worse from there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's all I needed. If I didn't catch one the first day, right. I might have been less inclined to keep going out the rest of those days. So I hear that. It happened for a reason. But how many other things did you do? How many other sports or activities did you fit in uh, over the week? Oh, man. My family kept me busy. We you surfed. Uh, we did surf. Well, we could try to call it surfing. We uh, <laughs> rode the, the little breaks that exist in New Jersey Beach. Um, mm. We did, well, my wife did some incredible sand sculpting, and I provided the Saw buckets that. of water and the, the mounds of sand. You could call that an activity. That's an activity. Lots of running, lots of biking. Got kicked off a tennis court because we didn't know you had to pay for it. Huh. Uh, so you tried to play tennis. The loudspeaker. Yeah, <laughs> you tried to play tennis around all these people. And all of a sudden, the loudspeaker turns on. The place is packed. They got like 15 courts. And you go, court eight, you did not pay for this court. You need to leave. And everybody <laughs> no stops. <way. laughs> yeah. Everybody stops and looks over at us. And this little kid next to us goes, it's $12 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we're getting out of here. Did they give you a chance so. to pay or did they just kick you out? We tried. Never, never come back. We tried, but of course it's cash only, like everything else at the beach. So we just oh. left. They probably thought thieves are thieves. Forget these guys. Right. So if you'd have done one thing, dude, I do one thing when I go to the beach. I fish, right? Morning, night, fish. Yep. Becky's pretty tolerant. The boys love it. That's good. That's what it takes. It works. Grab a kid. Grab a kid. Go fishing. <laughs> They, uh, it seemed like they really caught the sharks. I know last year they were focused on shark catching, right? You had mentioned, right. and you're hoping right. that they may not catch a shark because you didn't know what to do with it or didn't want to <laughs> right. deal with it. <laughs> Sounds like they caught a lot. Right. Joey caught a nice sized stingray, which is another thing I didn't want to have to deal with, but I wasn't mm. there when he caught it. He did quite a bit of independent fishing on the bay side, which is cool. Nice. Yeah. He got into sharks too, like small sharks, uh, three feet and smaller, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I mean, still a three shark. feet sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I have no interest in that. Yeah, I don't want to catch the sharks. Catch some fluke, fair. mostly fluke. Going for striper. You coming in the fall? We going? I would love to go. You tell me when. Oh, there we go. We'll talk about it. Okay. All right. So just like season two, we're here to keep things tactical. So we better shut up, right? <laughs> and as much as we like talking and hanging out, we're gonna keep these episodes tightly focused on the dry dropper styles. That's our topic. And uh, you ready to be serious, bud? I'm ready to be serious, guy. No goofing around. All right, so adding a nymph to a dry fly rig just produces fish. And you can throw a nymph under a dry fly and start casting, right? But in my world, there are three distinct styles of dry dropper fishing. And within each of these types, the elements of fly, nymph, and leader are arranged, balanced, and modified toward unique objectives. Who doesn't like fishing with dry flies, right? Seriously, who doesn't enjoy the visual feedback of watching a dry fly slide down the edge of a current seam, gloriously in pace with the bubbles on the surface? And when the head of a brown and gold torpedo rushes to the fly, emerging from the darkest water, that anticipation and satisfaction is unmatched in this river game. Mm. Love it. Dry flies are the heart and soul of fly fishing. And while I love fishing nymphs and streamers underneath, 
I still take every chance I get to tie on a floater. But here's the thing. For the year-round trout angler, most days do not offer great dry fly fishing. Many guys stick with it anyway, of course, and they try to force the trout into some agreement. But while lazy trout are often convinced with a well-placed nymph, uh, most wild trout are not easily persuaded to the surface if they're not already in that mood. So why not offer a nymph to the trout at the same time as we fish a dry? Sounds perfect, right? Sure it does. But in most cases, adding a nymph affects the drift of the dry. It changes things. Worse yet, the weight of the add-on nymph can take away the enjoyment of casting dries in the first place. And so everything does change, but it doesn't have to be that way. And so, I argue, there are three styles of dry dropper fishing. And when I break it down for my guided guests this way, they fall in love with the idea, because it makes sense. The angler first decides what elements are most important, not just for fooling fish, but for their own enjoyment, too. Then they choose whatever style of dry dropper suits the moment. These three styles of dry dropper, as I refer to them, are light dry dropper, standard dry dropper, or bobber dry dropper, as we sometimes call it, and tight line dry dropper. Now, what I just worked through are the introductory paragraphs from an article on Troutpit entitled Three Styles of Dry Dropper. That's right. In February of 2019, I published the first in a series of four articles on the Troutbitten website that detail these dry dropper styles. I finished that series a few months later, and those articles have been on the website ever since. It's a popular set of articles that might make a nice compact book someday, with a few additions. But we're ready to put a little more meat on those bones with this dry dropper skills series. Just remember that the framework is already there, laid out and supported by hundreds more articles on Troutbitten. So if you enjoy this conversation, Follow the links that I'll leave in the show notes or just Google Trout Bitten, Three Styles of Dry Dropper. That'll get you there. All right, Austin, let's start this. All right, let's, let's get it going. All right. Uh, wh- why do you like to fish dry dropper? What do you think? What's your reason? It's just fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's different because you can do a lot of things at once to, to some mm. degree. You can, nice. you can cover water in an efficient way often, and you can also offer yep. two food forms at one time, which is pretty different, mm. especially considering one food form above the water and one food form below the water. Yeah. You know? Um, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And uh, it's just a way that I like to almost break routine sometimes. You know, we get, mm-hmm. um, we look at cider so much, we, we fish streamers so much underwater, we don't see our flies a lot. And it is fun mm. to kind of combine the flies you can't see with the fly that you can see. And, nice. uh, you know, just, just do something different. Yeah, that is what makes it exciting. That visual as- aspect. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, everybody loves fishing dries. But then you can find yourself fishing those dries for hours on end, mm-hmm. and you're getting nothing. You're not even getting looks. <laughs> right. And you might change flies. But really, if they're going to eat it, mm, you're going to get some kind of looks, you know what I mean? If you have a yeah. reasonable fly on. It's not right. until I start to get r- refusals that I'll say, all right, you know, I'm going to change flies. Usually I'll yeah. try to do like you said, try to cover a lot of water. And uh, if they start refusing it, then, then I'll, I'll try to dial things in. But yeah, man, I mean, everybody loves fish and dries, so why not add that nymph, right? Yeah, for sure. It can be efficient. It can be a really efficient, a lot of times, yeah, on new water. I. Uh, That's a good point. Or if I want to cover a lot, right? Just to yeah. kind of see what's in there. Yeah. Up top, underneath, two options. Right. And I don't, I like it because I don't have to spend 
a lot of time in one area, or that's the way I fish it at least. Mm. And that's why I consider it to be efficient. You know, I'll cast into uh, one or two seams um, upstream of me or however it may be presented. And I'll give those yeah. trout a chance, a fair chance, and then I'll move up and I'll cast into the next set of seams. I'm often not standing there repeatedly casting a dry mm-hmm. dropper rig over and over again. Yeah, and it's an exploring type of rig, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it, right. And I'll do that with streamers too. I, yeah, I'll fish dry dropper a little bit slower as far as mm-hmm. covering water, a little bit slower. Maybe I will give them two or three looks instead of just like one or two looks with a streamer. You know? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's a good comparison. It makes sense. You know, sometimes trout will even go for this on the splat of a dry fly if you're mm-hmm. splatting it down or as soon as it touches, yeah. whether it splats or not. You know, you, you do have those fish that are just looking up. So that drift, if it's affected by the nymph, sometimes doesn't even matter, you know, <laughs> because there's no time to drift. It's just, bam, they hit it. Of course, they'll yeah. do the same thing uh, on the drop with the nymph, you know. Yep. So it all sounds really good, <laughs> right? It sounds great. <laughs> yeah. And... I mean, there are some consequences. We'll get to that, you know? I mean, it's sure. It's not perfect by any means. No. Especially if you don't really think through, well, the way I like to think about it, these three styles. If you don't really have, let's say, objectives and you're not prioritizing one or the other um, and thinking mm-hmm. that you're going to get great drifts yeah. on both, eh, it might be a mistake, you know? Yeah. The dry dropper rig, whether it be one of the three styles, I often find myself fishing it because it solves a problem for me. Mm. Um, sure, I'll go to it to prospect with on occasion, but more often than not, I'm switching to it because of a water type that I'm in. And we'll get into this too, whether or not we're fishing the, the dry or the nymph primarily, but if I'm fishing shallow yeah. water and it's clear and fish are rising, but sporadically, you know, the chances are decent that they're going to take a dry, but I, I have to stay at a distance. And maybe have a mono rig on even. You know, I like to go to that dry yeah. dropper rig and solely fish those two flies together. And especially on a mono rig, it'll allow me some extra distance and some more stealth on my behalf. Um, I really do like fishing them in lower, clearer conditions. Um, yeah. Because it becomes hard to do sometimes only nymphing or, you know, a dry fly is great, but what if they're not actively eating the dry fly in those low conditions? So it's mm-hmm. kind of... Um, it is more problem solver for me. I like what you say there about it being a problem solver. That's a really good point. Um, if you combine all three of these styles, yeah, and they're dramatically different, we're going to get to that. Your light dry dropper, your standard dry dropper, and your tight line dry dropper are very, very different. And what you were just talking about there, often I'll run a tight line dry dropper because I was tight line nymphing, and then I throw the dry fly up there. We're going to get to all of this, we yep. promise. That's a fantastic way to solve some problems. Right on. Other times, you know, I was doing it honestly. I was doing it this morning. I was just fishing dries. I love fishing dries this time of year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, toward, uh, I'm going to say about 10 o'clock in the morning, they really started slowing down. They were getting picky. And maybe because this was on my mind that we were going to talk about this, <laughs> um, I just threw 12 inches back. I threw a soft tackle, just like cool. a peacock hurl and some soft tackle, you know. Yeah. Very simple. But it could look buggy. You know, it could look yep. like an ant, I suppose. You know, it's, it's right, dark. Right. And it was like a size 16. And it did not affect my cast. And, I mean, it was small and it was light. So I was fishing light dry dropper at distance. Yep. There's no yep. way in the water. I was purposely fishing really shallow. Lots of stuff is shallow. But I was fishing right. upstream, you know, almost toward the headwaters. And just kind of challenging myself and seeing if I could fish some really skinny stuff. So I was not going to be tight lining, really. 
That's cool. Uh, I couldn't really get close enough. I was going to spook them if I got that close. Yeah. So it's cool. It, it, it That was a problem solver in a different way, you know? Yeah. And it worked. Right. worked a couple of times, and then I got out of there because they really do seem to shut down late morning. Yeah. And that's a fantastic point. If there's transition periods within the morning, within the afternoon, and you just want to go prospect underneath if you're already on top, yeah, there's so yeah. many different ways and reasons to go there. Yeah. And when you combine all three styles, you have a lot of options and variations. Hell, I guess you, you could spend all day fishing dry dropper and really meet the trout on their own terms uh, mm. by changing up which style yeah. you're doing, how you're doing it. I'll mention, too, that one thing that really attracts me to dry dropper is when I do think that they will eat both flies. If I feel like yeah. I got a great or at least a good chance or maybe even some chance on that dry, I'll use a dry fly instead of an indie up top. You know, Right on. Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Bitten crew has a case of New Trail Broken Heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is a keeper. New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Trout Bitten's favorite beer. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. All right, so we've already seen from our discussion that there are some downsides to fishing dry dropper. And I remember even after years of doing it, uh, I always felt like I wasn't fishing either fly very well. The dry fly often had visible drag, and the nymph usually wasn't deep enough or it just wasn't drifting the right way. And I could tell. And it wasn't until I finally started to think a little harder about things when I really began to consider my objectives and how to get good drifts that I started having any success with dry dropper. Eventually, I realized that there really are three distinctly different ways to fish this dry dropper style. And sometimes the dry fly is the priority, while at other times it's more about fishing the nymph. That's really a good place to start, right? I'd argue that it's impossible to fish both flies perfectly. You can fish them well. That's what we're trying to do a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But to fish them perfectly, probably not. So which fly do you really want to focus on? Are you nymphing or are you trying to get great drifts on a dry fly that the trout should eat? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I think maybe the word to describe it is compromise. So, you know, we have the dry, mm. we have the nymph. Yeah. And one of those two is going to take the, the driver's seat and one of them is going to kind of <laughs> sit in the back. Nice, and nice. And we either are going to focus, depending on the situation, depending on the food forms available, whatever the trout tell us to do, mm. we're going to offer to the best of our ability one of those. 
and sort of compromise a little bit on the yeah. second offering. Perfect. Yeah, don't don't think that you're really going to be able to do both in the yeah. best way, right? Exactly, in the best way. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about three styles here. Again, they are light dry dropper, bobber dry dropper, or standard for you elitists, and tight line dry dropper. Are you an elitist, <laughs> Austin? <laughs> I am at the ocean, I guess. that's a good point Austin was only fly fishing but man when I go to the surf I'm just spin fishing I'm on it and I love it but no not Austin thank goodness I had my stripping basket (laughs) (laughs) my Tupperware on a belt (laughs) did you make that yourself? oh yeah what do you mean? (laughs) did I make that myself? you can buy it yeah I figured if you were a real elitist you would have bought like a, a sim stripping basket well you can't buy my custom ones Right. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> All right. And so, yeah, there's some crossover within these styles too. We acknowledge that. But by and large, these are very different ways to approach things. And it helps tremendously to think through these various ways of rigging and presenting the dry and the nymph. Then you can sort through your goals, assess the situation, and make a good choice. Now, the next three episodes of this season will take each one of these styles and break them down thoroughly. We'll go through leaders, flies, and the approach for all of them. But right now, let's briefly introduce these three different styles of dry dropper. Austin, you want to start with light dry dropper? Yeah, sure. So when we think about light dry dropper, uh, we're primarily focused on the dry fly. And Mm -hmm, our leader is built for the dry. Um, There's minimal impact on the drift of the dry from the nymph. Yeah. And our primary focus, the front seat, the driver's seat, is going to be the dry fly. Nice. The other nice thing about the uh, the light dry dropper is it, it probably feels the most similar to a traditional cast. Good point. So for fishing a, a regular fly line, standard fly line, when we're casting that rig, we're not really going to feel the tug of the weight of the nymph on mm-hmm. that uh, on that setup. If we are, it means we're doing something off balance there. Yeah. Um, but primarily, it's going to feel very similar to just fishing a single dry. That's the thing, right? I mean, you keep the weight very minimal, like you said. Yeah. For me, I'm gonna I'm gonna say five centigrams. If you're more than 10 yeah. centigrams, you are going to feel that weight. And we're going to talk about what happens when you add that weight, but, well, it changes everything. Yeah. The idea with this light dry dropper, like you said, it's, it really shouldn't change. It shouldn't affect the great drifts that we get on a dry fly. Right on. And, well, for us, I know that, I mean, you fish over these trout. These trout will not permit drag. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah. Okay, like, I get it. There are different trout, different parts of the world. Right. will be a little more generous, a little more forgiving. Or maybe they're even attracted by drag and skitter in the fly. Yep. That doesn't work very often here. No. And there are a lot of places that are tough like this. And so into our dry fly approach, into our leader, really, we build S-curves and slack. And as soon as the slack is gone um, on the surface and in your literally tight yep. then to your dry, drag happens. Right. And that's when the fish just, they're not going to eat it usually, right? Yep. And so if you, if you add weight, well, that drag sets in a lot sooner because it takes out the slack that you're able to build in with a good cast. Yeah, excellent. You use a Harvey leader for most of your I do. dry work? Yep. Yeah, I build right. it right off so the Harvey So you're staying leader. with that then with yeah. the light dry dropper. Exactly. Yep. And it's a way that I can fish a dry fly if I really want to do that. And let's say that the yeah. action on top is slow. And I can still give it a second option and feel good about that. You know, boost the confidence if the, if the, you know, the dry fly eats aren't going on. Right on. So, I mean, 
we'll acknowledge too, we're not trying to get real deep with this. We're not trying right. to get to the bottom of the river with light dry dropper. Yep. You're just looking for fish that maybe won't come all the way up to the top. Yep. But they'll go a little bit underneath, right? Right. That's about right. it. I mean, that's we're gonna get into uh, in depth. We're gonna get in depth on light dry dropper in the very next episode. But I'll say too, I use dry flies that the trout are gonna eat. I don't have to use special dry flies to suspend a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Don't change much. You know, today I was fishing that ant and then I just threw, anyway, I just threw a size 16 hurl and hackle underneath. Nice. (laughs) And it didn't change anything. You know, did they eat it? I really didn't feel, they did eat it. They ate it twice. That feels good. That's enough. That's enough times. It did, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because once is is lucky and two is a little bit of a trend. (laughs) A little different. But it didn't change my cast. It didn't change the way I was able to poke it under the trees with slack. I got great drifts on the dry. They still were picky about that. But yeah, two of them within, let's say, 15 minutes went ahead and ate that little soft tackle. Cool. It could be a little bead head, but boy, not much. And usually a brass bead. Yep. Again, yep. five centigrams, man. That's what you want to aim for. Anything more, mm, it's going to change things. And then you're kind of into <laughs> the next style. Yeah. Which is a standard dry dropper. Or we sometimes... Call it bobber dry dropper. There you go. Because that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah. You're going to indicator fish, but now your dry fly uh, is the indie, right? Hopper dropper. Hopper dropper a lot of times, right? I mean, there's different <laughs> things about hopper dropper too, and maybe that's its own style. That was the Hank Patterson. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> he had a good one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I always think about that. Hopper dropper dropper. What was it? Hopper hopper yeah, dropper? Yeah, it was some sort of conglomerate <laughs> of those. <laughs> I don't know. Hank Patterson. Yeah. Your fly fishing guide. That's right. Wow. It's been a while. I do think uh, standard dry dropper or bobber dry dropper, as we often call it, is uh, is the most common. It is what people think of. I do think hopper dropper fits into this category. Absolutely. Again, we're using the dry fly as an indie. And here's the thing. With the with the light dry dropper, we're focused on the dry, as we said. Yeah. As soon as I kind of admit to myself that I'm using standard dry dropper, not like in a bad way. I just mean like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Yep. Then I kind of submit or resign myself to, all right, I'm not going to get great drifts on the dry. I'm going to try. Yeah. But now I'm nymphing. Now I'm going to focus on trying to get those great drifts on the nymph. And what you just said there too is, you, you know, you realize at some point there's a shift in what you're doing. Mm. I think that's really important because if we don't realize that, if we don't submit, as you said, we end <laughs> up trying to do something in between. And we end yeah. up fishing neither fly very well at all for a sustained amount of time. And we get frustrated. We yeah. think, ah, this dry dropper stuff, this is all, you know, this doesn't work. Yeah. But I think that's an excellent point to mm-hmm. realize what you're doing and when you need to change. And when you realize you need to change, go ahead and do that. Yeah, sure. But, you know, what we're talking through here is different ways to have a plan to do that and to know the changes to make. Yeah. Just like you say, recognize what you're doing. I, I kind of fished like you said. Uh, for many years, I mean, I, I I wasn't getting great drifts on either one. I was frustrated, and I was I just did what I thought you were supposed to do. Just throw the yeah the the nymph underneath, and it destroyed <laughs> my right. my uh, my dry fly drift. Right, yeah. and I bet that's incredibly common too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, you might be getting great drifts on the dry, and then all of a sudden, you know, if you add again like 10, 15 centigrams or God forbid you throw a stonefly under there. You know, you have now you have 45 <laughs> or 50 centigrams or more. Boy, that's just going to change everything. Yeah. It changes the cast. It changes the way the, the whole delivery is. I'll say when I'm fishing standard dry dropper here, I do a lot of mending. Mm. Again, I, I resign myself that that's how I'm going to keep the tension off of the dry. 
And then you have to change your angles too. I like to fish upstream a lot. Yeah. But when I'm doing standard dry dropper, I often am fishing at 45 degree angles or even straight across because nice. I plan on doing those, hop, those well, I call them hop mends usually. Yep. yep. But just recognize and you're not going to get perfect drift. No matter what you do, you're not going to get those perfect drifts anymore. Yeah. That might be okay. They're, they're still going to eat the dry or yeah. else I wouldn't be doing it. I'd just throw an indie. And again, just right on right there, we're still going to fish flies on the surface that they may take. You know, they may be yeah. less likely to take it in some scenarios, but mm-hmm. if we're going to fish dry dropper, it's not because we just need something to float a nymph. Now we have different no. ways, better ways to do that when the conditions demand it. But yeah. if we have the chance to catch one on top, then that's the reason we fish that. Yeah, for sure. And if you are in an area where they will take stimulators and, and, and hoppers. Yeah. Uh, great. <laughs> that must be fun. <laughs> yeah. Big salmon flies and whatnot. That's great. You know, but around here, man, if you throw a size six salmon fly or something right. like that, or a big old stimulator, they're not eating it. Yeah, you know, it's just a bopper. You then. could true bopper. It is, and that's all right. I mean, but why not really throw a yarn indie on there that is adjustable in many ways, or or a thingamabobber that's again adjustable, slide yep. it up and down. Yep. Um, if it isn't an advantage, I don't do it usually. Anything else on a standard? I mean, we're gonna again. Episode three will be about standard dry dropper, but that's an overview. We yeah, get it. That's great. That's definitely the most common one. It's a nymphing style, right? Yep. It's not a dry fly style as much as a nymphing style, and yet you're going to catch them on the dry. That's an added bonus. Tactical Fly Fisher was started in 2015 by fly fishing team USA angler Devin Olson with a mission to bring American anglers the techniques and gear that dominate the international competitive fly fishing scene. While you may have no desire to compete, you can still benefit from the same strategies which competitive anglers use to make them more successful on the water. Whether you want to buy your nymphing rod, a stillwater fly line, or just some hooks and beads to fill your fly box, we've got you covered. And our teaching materials will help you learn how to use whatever products fill up your cart. Head on over to the tacticalflyfisher.com and use the code TFF10 to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle. Since 2010, Smith Creek New Zealand has provided innovative, high-quality angling solutions designed to free up your hands, keep your gear in easy reach, and keep our waters clean. Smith Creek's award-winning rod clip attaches to your vest and grips a variety of rod sizes, freeing up your hands to tie a fly, change a hook, or release your catch. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough, using high-quality materials like anodized marine-grade aluminum, non-corrosive fasteners, and UV-resistant nylon. To learn more about other innovative products, such as the patented net holster, spent line wrangler, or rod rack, visit smithcreek.co. That's smithcreek.co. So what about tight line dry dropper? Yeah. I know you do that a lot. So do I. Because you and I both have a tight line rig, a mono rig, in our hands quite often. And one of the best adjustments and the easiest adjustments to make that dramatically changes the drift is tight line dry dropper. Absolutely. Yeah, it's as simple as that. The the tight line dry dropper takes place on a tight line rig or a mono rig or yep. you know, you yep. may call it a Euro nymphing rig, whatever. It's best done at, at kind of short ranges. So it's not uh something you're gonna Good throw point. huge forty, fifty foot casts and expect, you know, a flawless presentation or even the ability to do so. It's a little bit more yeah. limited in that. But on the flip side, it provides incredible control. Yeah. Um 
we're used to managing a fly line often, like we talked about in these previous two styles, which yeah. you know causes drag pretty quickly if if not managed correctly. Yeah. The great advantage being on a tight line dry dropper is that drag we get to lift the line off the water. And yeah. we're a straight line to that dry fly often and then not mm-hmm. too far away from that nymph. So when either one gets taken, we can connect really quickly. And yeah. uh, it allows for just seamless presentations. It's so cool. Yeah. I often feel like this is the style that allows me to present the flies almost equally as well. Nice. I'll do it because I see a, f- a few risers within range, like you said, not 50 feet, usually within 30 feet. Seriously, yeah. within yeah. 30 feet, often closer than that. And then maybe I see a couple risers. And so I just throw that dry fly on. I keep the nymph on underneath. We should say we're throwing the dry fly below the cider somewhere on the tippet. And I usually run mine on a tag. You could do it in line if running a tag makes you yep. uncomfortable, but it's yeah. quick. It's, it's quick. You just throw Definitely. it on a tag. And that's where we're putting it. And we're going to walk through all the details of that. But like you said, the point is we can keep most, if not all, of the line off the water because we're running a tight line rig. And there's yep. your tight line advantage. So you can get Fair amazing, enough. incredible drifts on the dry. And then, I mean, just fantastic drifts on the nymph, too. It can be really effective for both flies. And the other nice thing about this, too, is, you know, if we're in the rhythm of fishing nymphs or we've got our mono rig Mm. on and that that casting stroke that we've kind of built into that uh, fundamental of fishing nymphs, you know, we can do the same cast we were doing now with the dry fly up on the tag. And um, because of that range that we're fishing, we can hit that 30-foot or less uh, circle or radius pretty easily mm. with our standard nymph cast. Yeah, I often show people this when I'm guiding. And it's funny because as soon as you throw a dry fly on, people want to change the cast and they start yeah. well throwing dry fly casts. Yeah, but like you say, it's really a nymphing cast. Nothing really changes. You're still tight line nymphing and then all of a sudden the dry fly hits the surface and then you let the dry lead the flies down one seam, the nymph down yep. one seam. Yep. We'll get to all that in detail, yeah. right? But we're saying that the nymph is the priority, especially in the cast. And yet, like I said, man, you can get amazing drifts on the dry. And when they hit, <laughs> you're connected immediately. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And I you can it. set that nymph up in so many different ways in the air before the fly hits the water on that yeah. dry dropper, uh, tight line mm. dry dropper rig that you simply can't do with the, with the mm. uh, bobber style or the light dry dropper with the fly line. With the standard. There's a level of control available that you unlock when you can do those certain casting mm. strokes in the air and manipulations of landing that fly where you want and how you want it. That You can get in the weeds all day long on that. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, especially if your leader's built for it. We've yeah, talked about that. That's one of the reasons I run what I call the standard trout pit and mono rig because it has power. And you can, yep. if you run a thin or especially a micro thin leader, you will not have those placement options that you're talking about right there. Yep. That's, that's true. neat. I'm sure we'll get into that. That'll be episode four. Okay. Um, anything else, Austin, in all these styles here? One, two, three. Anything else? Yeah, I think I would just touch on the point again that each of these three styles is equally important. And just the ability yeah. to realize when the style is changing or um, when you get to the river and, and a style is necessary to, to cycle through these different, um, you know, methods of fishing a dry dropper until you find the one that meets your, you know, your water type or wh- whatever the fish tell you to do that day. Nice. And don't pigeonhole yourself into one of these styles because, you know, you're going to be right one third of the time maybe. <laughs> yeah, or less because there's about 100 other styles. Yeah, You could throw streamers and yeah, everything yeah. else. I love it. 
Hey, this was fun. Right back to the compact yep. delivery. Feels good. Yep. All right. So if you've never considered the differences in these dry dropper styles, then think on them for a while. Head out to the river with the goal of experimentation. Consider the differences and discover the strengths versus weaknesses of each rig and each presentation. Because fishing dry dropper can really mean a lot of things. And each one of these styles has many moments when it's the clear winner. So episode two of this skill series is a deep dive into fishing light dry dropper. Episode three covers standard dry dropper and episode four covers tight line dry dropper. Then in the fifth and last episode of this skill series, we'll bring back all of the trout pitting guys for a roundtable discussion about all the stuff we're talking about. That'll be a good time. I know. Maybe Bill will have a whole different way of doing things. <laughs> you think? Bill will say, there's not just three. We could start a pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, until then, the next time someone talks about dry dropper fishing, ask them what style, because there's a lot of room for variety. Austin, will you read us out? Yeah. All right, so remember, the Trout and Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Tropit and website hosts over 900 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and the tags too. Be sure to find the Tropit and YouTube channel, currently featuring the Tropit and Tip series and an ongoing series about fly fishing the monogram. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Tropit and Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment, because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. That felt fun. We're good at this. It's $12 an hour. For you elitists out there, where the hell was I? That feels good. That's an added bonus. That's enough. Champion, champion. <laughs>